Welcome to Popcorn Politics. I'm Dermot. I'm here with Jack. Hey, Dermot. Happy New Year. Happy new podcast. How, how are you? I'm all right. I'm okay. We watched a film of my decision, with my picking this week, uh, The Ides of March. Yeah, I'm going to blame uh, you for putting that on me, Ides of March. It is. So last week, we watched the final year and you said, oh, this is an incredibly grim experience. Yeah. And then I followed it up with just a hammer blow of of grimness. Yeah. You messaged me afterwards to say we are we are watching a happy movie next time. Well, next next week is my choice and uh uh it's it's not so much of a happy movie, but I think it'll be a better one. No, oh, it's a good tease. So stay tuned to the end to find out what we're going to be watching next week. Before we get straight into it as well, we should stress if I sound weird, it's because my neighbors downstairs are arguing and so I am currently in my own little cocoon made out of a duvet. Dermot is hiding. I'm hiding. Like one of the great things is that this is a purely audio medium, the podcasting yeah. space. So I can just, I can be like this. I can be boiling under a uh, under a duvet. Dermot has to speak from his blanket fort in order to talk about the Ides of March, 2011 seminal movie, the Ides of March. Did, did this movie win any awards? It was. I think it won a couple of awards. It was nominated for an Academy Award for Best Adapted Screenplay. Okay. Really? Because it was adapted by George Clooney. He directs his film. It's based on a play called Farragut North. Farragut, I believe. F-A-R-R-A-G-U-T. Farragut, yeah. By Bo Willimon. I know how you spell, how you pronounce Farragut because it's in loads of Bethesda games. Because... Mm. They're based in Washington, so they always have some location called Farragut in Fallout and Elder Scrolls games. There you go. There we go. That's a, there bit, you of, go. a bit of knowledge there. That's incredibly useful for me to know. It's come up, like, weirdly enough, that piece of knowledge actually came useful. Came useful. That's, that's brilliant. But uh, yeah, no, I, I, I didn't know it was directed by George Clooney. Um, in the marketing stuff that I'd seen before watching the movie, I thought that he would be in it as an actor way more than he turned out to be. So here's basically the story is it's Democratic primary. In a year, an unspecific year, hinted to be sort of in the around the 2000s, you have two major candidates, Mike Morris, the governor of Pennsylvania, who was the favorite, played by George Clooney, and uh, Ted Pullman, who is senator from Arkansas. Both campaigns are fighting to get the endorsement of Senator Franklin Thompson, who controls enough delegates that he would basically win the nomination for either candidate. At the same time, they're also battling it out to win the Ohio primary. So Mike Morris was in the front for a lot of the campaign, but he has just, his momentum has absolutely collapsed and Ted Pullman has been able to come back in. We follow Stephen Myers, who is played by Ryan Gosling, who is the deputy or the junior campaign manager on the Myers campaign. He is kind of sold to us as this very smart, very canny press operator. And he works under Paul Zara, who is the campaign manager for Morris, played by Philip Seymour Hoffman. One day he's approached by Tom Duffy, who works for Ted Pullman. He's his campaign manager, played by Paul Giamatti. Really good cast in this film. Yeah, the cast was the, the cast. Essentially, Duffy offers him a job, asks him to, tells him to, he needs to jump ship from onto Pullman's campaign. Pullman's going to win. He refuses, Myers refuses, but as events kind of carry on through the movie, his loyalty both to his boss in Paul Zara is questioned, as is his loyalty to Mike Morris, the governor of Pennsylvania, who he really believes in 
as a democratic future hopeful, uh, as, as an arch- a potential architect of real change. And it's, it's interesting. Watch. What did you think of the film? I thought the movie was good. I enjoyed watching it to a large extent. I thought it was, it was well made. It was well done. It was well written. You know, it, it well acted. The only thing I found about it was that it was less of a political drama. It was more of a personal drama, which is fine. It's absolutely fine. It's it's a good it's a good story. I thought it kind of rested on one or two plot points um, a little bit too heavily. I think the only main female character in the in the plot at some points, uh, she she's she's less of a character and she is more of a plot point, which is a bit a bit unfortunate. I think it's not really as well done as it could have been. But on the whole, I think they're all mostly excellent characters. It's a good 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 movie to watch. You come away thinking about it. It's good. I think that the scenario that this movie sets up from a purely political point of view, because look, because look, we're political minded guys. I really loved it. You know, you have the situation where you've got a candidate who is sort of on the come down, but could be due for a bounce back. At the same time, you've got another candidate who's rising and that kind of tension of who them can win. And the way Pullman is set to win Ohio is because while Morris is ahead among Democrats, this is what's called an open primary, meaning that independents and crucially Republicans can vote in this. And as we're told, the Republicans, they don't think they can beat Morris and they really hate Pullman, but they think they can beat Pullman. And so they're willing to kind of G up their voters and their supporters to go and vote in the Democratic primary for Pullman so that they can win. Yeah, so that that's a clever idea. It's a nice hmm. kind of, it's nice thought. And I'm, I'm sure I've heard that in the real world at various different points. You know, it's, you know, tactical voting and, you know, I'm going to, I don't like this guy, but I hate this guy more. So I'm going to vote for this guy thinking I can beat the other guy or whatever it is. I don't know if that type of thing has ever worked though. Can you think of any examples where that's ever actually worked for anyone or if it does work it's kind of incidental to the movement to make that vote i believe there's been attempts to do it before i think in 2012 there were democrats who turned out for i think particularly for ron paul an attempt to kind of g him up um because they thought he was beatable and the same for newt gingrich but i don't think that it it's it's a really cool idea i don't know how effective it was but i almost wish they had kind of gone more into that you know I found that the the political scenario that they set up is a really, really interesting one. And like you said, it does become more of a personal drama rather than a political drama. And I found that kind of disappointing. I thought we got cool little moments that to me showed why politics can be so interesting. But I thought it was disappointing overall that they, they didn't go more into that. There's some um, great kind of political ideas and some campaigning strategies and thoughts and outlines and whatever else that, that are mentioned in the movie, they're, they're, they're talked about, they are plot points. But as the film moves on, it just becomes background. It just becomes background to the uh, the personal drama. I, I know I know you're going to have to do that in, uh, in, in, in a movie, but I think it kind of goes a little bit too far uh, in this one. Yeah, I agree. Like there's cool individual moments, like, I mean, cool to me, which... Yeah, no, it's clearly not very cool. What we've been talking about so far in this podcast, and the entire point of the whole thing means that it's not. But uh, yeah, continue. Sorry, but there's yeah, but there's interesting, there's interesting stuff here. Like Morris has been sold to us as you know, he's very 
he's very serious about his his honor and his beliefs and he's not going to compromise on the things he takes seriously which to me in many ways felt like he was almost representative of what maybe democrats want like what clooney as a democrat wants he 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 wants this guy who's not afraid to talk about well i actually don't believe in god or he doesn't say it in those words but more or less he he wants someone who's not afraid to say i don't support the death penalty and you can disagree with me, but here's my very reasonable argument. Some of it actually even felt like it was Clooney, in his own way, redoing the Bush-Dukakis race, where Dukakis was known as a liberal who couldn't really stand up for anything he believed and just got trounced under negative advertising. Whereas, Yeah, it does kind of seem as though they are, or someone involved in this whole process is rehashing an argument that they've been having in their head for quite a while. Yeah. Yeah, I, I, you I, would, know, I wouldn't disagree with any of the things the character says. He speaks very well and coherently and all that kind of stuff. But hmm. again, it's it, it it just it just seems a little bit off, a little bit kind of removed from the setting of when he's of, of, of where he's saying it. Yeah, well, and I thought this was no more. I know we're, we'll get into the story for it, but I think you know this is a political podcast, and I really want to kind of just just hammer down the politics point because I think that if you're going to make a film about a campaign. The internal logic of the campaign kind of it really needs to make sense in my mind, and I didn't really understand what they were trying to say was the the distinctive appeal of Morris versus Pullman or vice versa. At one point, Pullman is mentioned as a tax and spend liberal, but at the same time, Morris is constantly the only positions we ever see him take are very traditionally liberal positions, anti-war, anti-death penalty. You know, the only exception is there's this moment where they're talking about a sort of national service that they want to set up that will only come in place for people who are under 18 now because they say, well, you know, anyone who's under 18, they don't get to vote in it. And anyone who's over 18, they'll think it's great because they don't have to do it. But again, that's sort of a comms exercise. It's not really a policy difference between the two of them. I, I, wasn't, I wasn't totally clear on what made Mike Morris so much more electable than Ted Pullman, other than he is George Clooney, and you would imagine George Clooney would be very electable. Yeah, having having someone who looks and sounds like George Clooney, someone with a bit of charm, a bit of personality running for president might actually work. I, w- I would have liked to see a bit more of the actual debates between him and Pullman. That would have been nice to see mm. a bit of the actual campaign. But yeah, you know, this is kind of, it's a movie called The Ides of March, so it's obviously about a betrayal internally within a political organization. Hmm. I think it also just shows the amount of strata that's involved in any sort of political organization. So you have like the United States is the one institution, then you've got the Democrat and the Republican parties, and then even within the Democrats, you've got various different factions, and then even within the one campaign, factions form as it goes forward. It just shows how fractured democracy can be, which I think is interesting. I also think that this film feels quite of its time. Less so of 2011, because it's going into the 2012 election. Obviously, Mitt Romney is the candidate for the Republicans, and they have their own internal debate, but it's quite clear very quickly that Mitt Romney is going to be the candidate. Obviously, Obama is running for his second term. The play itself is based on Howard Dean's campaign, who originally he ran in 2004 as that sort of unapologetic liberal candidate. But obviously, as we'll touch on later, there's a little bit of a more extreme version of John Edwards' failed 2008 campaign as well in there. 
but it, the whole thing feels a lot less ideological. It feels very much like something you'd seen in the 2000s, where it's it's sort of a debate on, well, who can win, which obviously comes up, so, but it's but there's not really a great ideological debate. And then you compare that to the 2016 and 2020 primaries uh, in the Democratic Party and the 2016 primaries for the Republicans, where there was a much clearer question about what kind of party we are than maybe there would have been in 2008 and 2004. It feels like it's looking back, but it's unlike some of the other films that we've watched so far, it doesn't feel like it's it doesn't feel like it's maybe in the right place to predict the Trump movement. Yeah, sorry, just on, just on that. Sorry, sorry for interrupting, but I think political movies generally they are. This is a take that's fresh out of the oven. It's it's steaming hot, and uh, it kind of it's just off the top of my head, really. But generally speaking, a lot of the political movies that I've seen, they're either prophetic and like they kind of anticipate something that hasn't really happened yet or is only like it might happen or you know, whatever else. And that the, the movie that I want to watch next week is very much like that. But a movie like this is generally just kind of summarizing or telling people about something that's already happened or kind of phrasing it in a different way. And there's nothing wrong with that. Neither style is better than the other. This really does encapsulate a particular period of American politics. It really does feel like watching, you know, old episodes of The Daily Show from 10 years ago or something like that. It, it really feels like that era of American kind of left of center politics, which is really interesting. And it's really good to just kind of get a look at that. But yeah, it's, it's not going to really anticipate any of the policies or any of the actual day-to-day stuff that, uh, that came about as a result of those elections. Yeah, I didn't even mean it as a criticism. I meant it more that it's just interesting that for a film that takes place in at the very start of the 2010s, it it feels so uh, really well rooted in the 2000s. Yeah, and potentially that arguably the 90s. Yeah, no, it it feels like it's from a, it, it feels like it's older than it is, which isn't a critique. It isn't. Yeah, it, it's 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 not a criticism of it, but it it does feel like we are removed from from that period. Do you want to talk a little bit about what? Is going on with Stephen Myers, who's Ryan Gosling's character, who we're following. Uh, well, Ryan Gosling's character is the young, hotshot, thirty-year-old vice chair of the campaign, or whatever his title is. I can't remember. He's a well-written character, well-rounded, very much uh, an ambitious guy who is well capable. He gets, he keeps getting described as the best media mind in the country. Um, Paul Giamatti's character calls him that. Paul Giamatti is playing. Paul Giamatti is playing a rival to Ryan Gosling's boss. I'm just going to say the actors' names because I'm not I'm not arsed remembering the characters' names at this stage. But yeah, so in the middle of the campaign, when things are on a downturn for Clooney and the gang, Paul Giamatti comes in trying to poach Ryan Gosling over to the rival campaign, and this is this this basically sets off a chain reaction, which leads to the drama of the movie and it leads ultimately to the death of an intern as well. Ryan Gosling's character starts a relationship with Evan Rachel Wood who plays the 20-year-old intern on uh, on the team. They start a romantic relationship and it eventually yeah, by the way, spoiler alert now, they start a romantic relationship and eventually it becomes apparent that she has had a previous relationship with George Clooney's character and from that romantic relationship She's become pregnant and she needs to get an abortion, which Ryan Gosling's character pays for. Turns into a pretty, pretty intense personal drama, which is also compounded by the fact that 
Philip Seymour Hoffman's character, who is in charge of the campaign, feels betrayed by Ryan Gosling's character taking that meeting with Paul Giamatti's character. And so lots of interesting things happen. What did you think of the plot? The critique that you had, which was that there's only, I mean, there's two female characters in this. There's Marissa Tomei, again, great actress, great cast, who shows up as a New York Times reporter every now and again, trying to get the inside scoop. She's less of a character and more of an, an agent of acceleration. Like when she shows up, though, that means that things are going to have to change because she's delivered something. She doesn't really have like much of a character. And then Evan Rachel Wood's character, who I totally agree is just a plot device. She exists to undercut his faith in his candidate. And then her death, in a way that's quite icky in my view, her death almost seems to exist as something to push him towards the new grim, dark view that he's going to take of politics. Well, he keeps being warned by various characters, by Paul Giamatti's character and Philip Seymour Hoffman's character, not to become as cynical as they are. And her death is the catalyst. It's the kind of, it's the radicalizing event that turns him as cynical as they are, essentially. I think it's unnecessary. And I'm never a fan of that in media, because, you know, when a woman... I think it's called fridging when a woman dies to forward a man's plot. And that's not even from like, a, even if you don't want to take that from a feminist point of view, I just, it, I've seen it so many times. It's it's a lazy, in my view, it's a lazy way to get shock and to kind of force some kind of change from a character. But I wasn't a fan of that. No, totally, completely. It was it was unnecessary. It was overly, overly dramatic. It was it was overly done. Um, just as a, from a storytelling point of view, it was, uh, yeah, it was pointless. It's really, really, really pointless. Uh, any number of things could have happened instead of that. Um, I, th- I think one of the kind of more interesting things from the story I found, one of the more disappointing things from the story I found, was in almost all of the marketing material I had seen in the poster for the movie, it has George Clooney there. But he's barely in the movie at all. Yet Ryan Gosling's character loves George Clooney. He, he admires the hell out of him. The big kind of trail moment that character gets is when he finds out that he George Clooney's character isn't as good as he thinks he is. Um, we don't figure out why Ryan Gosling has such a big opinion of him. You don't, you don't find out why he's as well-liked as he is. It's just, oh, it's George Clooney. He's charming. He's handsome. He must be good. And yeah, he's barely in it at all. And then you have this whole subplot with the intern. And it, it, it just, it's not that you're kind of, it's not that you were, you you were sold in a specific movie when you went in and you're not getting that experience that you thought you were being sold. It's that it just kind of, it feels like you're missing the actual story. You do walk away from it feeling like, is this the best story you could have told with, not even just with this group of people, but with this structure and with that scenario that we laid out at the start. It just felt a little, um, a little weak, I thought. There's actually one political point that we didn't, hit on and that was that there is the senator in North Carolina. North Carolina is the next primary after Ohio and it's the decider. A because if Pullman wins that he will be equal to Morris in terms of delegates, but also because the senator from North Carolina that they're both kind of trying to to grab onto Franklin Thompson, he has enough delegates to crown a victor. And he He's the other reason why Paul Giamatti goes to Ryan Gosling and says, you got to jump on to us because they've promised him secretary of state. And we see throughout the movie that Mike Morris, played by George Clooney, 
will not make those concessions. He wants to be better than that. He wants to make, or he doesn't want to just hand out favors. You know, he, especially because he really just does not, he's very anti-war. He really does not agree with Franklin Thompson's view on, you know, America's place in the world in terms of a foreign policy intervention point of view. And that was really interesting. And the way it ends up is that they convince Thompson to come onto the campaign in a a weird scene where Stephen Myers somehow meets up with Thompson on a bridge in the middle of Cincinnati. Was Thompson already in Cincinnati? I'm not entirely sure. Did Was it in Cincinnati? Did Ryan Gosling fly to North Carolina at some point and meet him on a random bench by a bridge? Well, it's a campaign. It's a campaign, dear. You've you, you got to take the meetings when you can. I mean, hey, you know what? You've got me there. But he meets him and basically says, if you add me to the ticket as vice president, you can have all my delegates. And then it's it sort of makes the end of the film being more about trying to get this guy than the Ohio primary. The Ohio primary doesn't really matter. No, I think I think um, it's, it's it's a good thing to talk about. I, I was kind of curious about that as well. The yeah, the senator guy who's you know a bit of a bit of a war hawk wants to be secretary of state, and then in order to move over and switch campaigns, he he demands the vice presidency. I don't I don't know what you think about this, but would that not be a better way of mitigating the disagreement in foreign policy? If he's given a role that isn't foreign policy foreign policy focused, he's given a role that's maybe higher prestige but less of a foreign policy element to it. Um, I don't know. I mean, that depends on. It's not entirely clear what his role as vice president will be. Fair, you know, but vice it, president. But yeah, the vice presidency is different for each vice president. Fair enough. But I don't know. It just seems like a way to kind of cross that bridge and compromise there. That is true, but it's possible that if you're Mike Morris, George Clooney's character, maybe you have your own person in mind. If you promise this guy vice president, that means you can't promise someone else vice president. He's in North Carolina. We we aren't told whether North Carolina is going to be an important state in this election. If it's like 2008, then it could be. But, it, but at the same time, sorry, sorry to cut across you, but at the same time, we also know that if he gets that senator, he'll win. He'll win the primary. And if he wins the primary, he's more than likely won the presidency. So, oh, I uh, surely that's the most important. I a hundred percent think he should make that deal, mm. but it's more because we know that he is very proper in his he he's very he has a very specific way in which he wants to do things. You know, he he has his ideals and he doesn't want to move from them. And so, I suppose I'm just trying to in my head explain why he wouldn't want to take that deal. But the film doesn't really go down that road. Yeah. I mean, again, it, it, it's like with everything in this movie, it's kind of the point of it in that we're only getting a snapshot of the actual campaign. I think that the whole plot takes takes place over the course of a handful of days, mm. pretty much. Um, so we really don't know what things are like in the weeks leading up to that the, that, that primary or how things go afterward. You know, it's, re- it's a really tight amount of time. Uh, so yeah, it, it lends itself to some positives. It keeps the story tight and contained, but it also leaves a lot of questions. Yeah, I'd agree with that. So one character that I really want to talk about that we haven't really spoken too much about so far is Philip Seymour Hoffman's. He's in it a lot more than I thought he was going to be. He plays the campaign manager for uh, the campaign that we're following. Uh, now, Philip Seymour Hoffman, he uh, at one point he goes into a, a history of his character's career. He speaks about how when he was a young man, when he was Ryan Gosling's character's age, he was involved with a local state senate race. It was it was it was a, it was a tiny race. There was uh, very little going on, but he did, he did well. He did so well that another campaign for a much bigger race 
wanted to poach him, wanted him to move over. And the state senator, he told him, listen, you go ahead and do whatever's best for you. But Philip Seymour Hoffman said, no, I'm going to dance with, I think that the expression, what is it? I'm going to dance with the one who brought me or something to that effect. You dance with the one who brought you. I, I can't remember what the expression is. But yeah, he talked about how he built his career on that. And one thing led to another. And he wound up being the campaign manager for a man who is likely going to become the next president of the United States. And even as you go through the movie and all the characters interact with one another and you find other different elements of the Democratic Party, you find out that they all know each other. They all might not agree for the most part. They might not necessarily see eye to eye all the time, but they all know each other. They all work together and they all know how to deal with one another. And one of the best ways that Paul Giamatti can find to subvert his opponent's campaign is to play on his sense of loyalty. And he invites Ryan Gosling out for a beer and uh, offers him the chance to move over and switch campaigns as well. And that kind of starts the whole friction and it starts the uh, the breakdown of that campaign and the breakdown of, of the character's relationship. Um, what did you think of Philip Seymour Hoffman? What do you think of him in the movie, this performance or the, the character or anything like that? I mean, the performance is great. You know, of course it's great. I think it's, it, it might be the best performance in the movie, I think. Uh, probably, it could well be. Uh, one of his last performances as well, sadly. But I thought that he was really good. He's actually not there for a lot of the film. He is off trying to win over this senator from North Carolina. And so we kind of get the sense of him being a figure of great importance. But also he, he trusts Ryan Gosling's character enough to let him do what needs to be done because he has that sense of loyalty. It's interesting with the way he talks about loyalty in regards to politics, because I think what he says is very, very understandable. He's straightforward in a lot of ways, but he, he does have, he, he is kind of a character who's forced to make a choice that I think a lot of them have the potential to make uh, right the way throughout the movie. It's, it's something that uh, George Clooney's character, Morris, brings up uh, when they're in a private jet at one point, when he says that Myers, he's the young hotshot, and he's going to leave the campaign or leave his job in the White House if he gets one. And he's going to go off and work in some $750,000 a year consulting firm uh, in K Street. Yeah, Myers just laughs it off and says, no, no, I'm married to the campaign. I'm, I'm here for you, all that kind of stuff. And Philip Seymour Hoffman's character is actually, he winds up being kicked out of the campaign uh, when Myers blackmails Morris. And he's forced into that choice. He, he has to leave the campaign. He has to leave the thick of it. And he goes off into the private sector and gets a job for a million dollars a year on K Street, working for some consultancy firm. He doesn't seem too thrilled about it. He, he, he got kicked out of his job and is forced into a job where he's earning a million dollars a year. What do you think about that? Is that a choice that you would make? Or like you say that he's not, he doesn't really have a choice. But I suppose that. He's essentially been put into early retirement. That million dollar a year job is always going to be there when you want it, when you're on these big campaigns. You know, it's mentioned, as you said, by, you know, Morris is saying to Morris, you know, you can go and get that job. That job is sort of, it's it's there at any point. It's the fact that he's had it forced on him. That's why he's sad because, you know, obviously, look, we, we'll all take the million dollar consultancy job, I think, to a certain, you know, we'd all be interested in that from a financial point of view, but he really believes in Morris. He believes in what they're fighting for and being forced out of it into his retirement. I mean, it makes sense that he's he's downtrodden about it. 
you know, even if he's making the big bucks. This this job, this career path that they're on is clearly pointed out in the movie as something that's seedy or it's something that's uh, unpleasant or morally, at the very least, morally dubious about these characters and the line of work that they're doing and what they've chosen to do with their lives. What do you think about that? Is it a morally right thing to do or are they are these things right to exist or what, what what's your take on the morality of it? Well, I think the reason it's, it's seedy and dubious in America is specifically because people go from working on these campaigns to working as consultants. You know, and and they go from working for politicians to lobbying politicians. So I think that there is sort of that 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 exists already. I think it's very dependent on your political structure. Like I've worked in British politics. I'm sure there are people in some campaigns who go on to work in big consultancy firms, but I don't think it's quite. There's not. A, I don't think it's quite as part of the culture as it is in America. It's definitely not in Irish politics. And I think that that is maybe why there's a sense of seediness to it. That it's it's the specific I've got the I've got the million dollar a year job waiting for me when I decide to retire. I think that is what adds that sense of seediness to everything. And if you just keep climbing the ladder, eventually you will get to the point where what you want to get done for you will get done. Yeah, it it, it is kind of weird though as well, where you've got Philip Seymour Hoffman going on these long tirades about loyalty and what's right and what's wrong. And then he just falls into the million dollar a year job. I'm, I'm not like I, I, I don't necessarily think there's anything inherently wrong with that career path as such. But I do think that it is at the very least in the movie, it's portrayed as something that's uh, very sketchy, very morally dubious. Um, but in his in his case, I think it's just like he he falls into that job because he's got no other option because he's been fired from the campaign. There's not going to be another Democratic campaign ready to jump on of that size and magnitude and so you know for him it's it's almost it, it feels like a resignation you could see him spending the rest of his career working for morris you know on morris's actual presidential campaign on morris's re-election campaign you know he could spend the next eight to ten years you know maybe even then go on to whoever the next morris is and work on their campaign you know and and, and do that for the rest of his life and never take the consultancy gig but because he's look, he's fired from a presidential campaign, which is you know at a time where it was struggling, that is a massive black mark on someone's career. That can really, really tank their stock, as it were. And so he doesn't really have an option but to, at least for the moment, take the high-paying consultancy gig if he wants to stay involved in politics. And look, you know, from working in politics, there are a lot of people there who they're just in love with the game and they're not going to jump out of it. And they're going to do whatever they can to to be as close as possible. And if they're going to earn a shed load of money a year doing that as sort of their last option, they're going to take it. But I think for him, I think I think for him, it, it was he he could have spent his entire career carrying on just working on campaigns and been happy out. Oh yeah, no, I I, I would completely agree with that. But the interesting kind of way that it panned out uh, is obviously for Myers Myers character. So Myers. Uh, Starts off as the junior in a junior leadership role in the in, in the campaign, winds up blackmailing Morris. So Morris has the he has the affair with the intern. The intern essentially winds up killing herself. She commits suicide over this affair. Ultimately, you know, through various different things it happen, it leads her to take her own life. And Myers blackmails Morris into becoming the head of his campaign, essentially, uh, going to the final stages of it. And the two of them have a big long argument where at one point 
Morris says to Myers, so what, you're going to do this to me and then work in the White House for eight years? Now, Myers goes on to say, well, let's not get ahead of ourselves, let's say four years. I think that that sort of behavior is incredibly short-sighted. So he's starting off what will be a very close working relationship with an incredibly powerful person, someone far more powerful than himself, from a really negative position. They're going to be, your man Meyer, or Morris, yeah, George Clooney's character, is obviously going to hate Myers for causing him all sorts of grief and upsetting him and putting him into a position of, into the position that he puts him into. What do you think of, do you think that Myers was smart in what he did, or do you think it was a short-sighted, stupid sort of thing to do? It is a foolish move to piss off the guy you're going to be working for for the next four years. But I also just felt, you know, we've, we've met both met versions of that guy, you know, levels of that guy, the hyper ambitious press guy who, not just press guy, but the hyper ambitious political guy who wants to be at the very top. I don't think hyper ambitious political guy who wants to be at the very top. I don't think that that guy does that move. No, no, absolutely not. I don't think that I think he leaves the campaign. I think he works on case for a little while. I think he finds a, a House campaign or a Senate campaign to jump on. I think he gets really into analytics. I think he rebrands himself as an analytics guy and gets himself back into a campaign, a presidential, like a major presidential campaign. You know, he takes a longer view. I don't think that that guy... He, he's only just establishing himself. He's, he's 30 years of age. He's He doesn't know that many people, clearly. You know, all the Paul Giamatti and... Philip Seymour Hoffman keeps talking about how much they know the other people around them. Even um, Marissa Tomei, the, 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 the New York Times journalist, she talks about how much she knows the people around her and the people who are involved. And, you know, it, it, maybe it's because it's a bubble or something like that. You can, you can make that critique of it. But Ryan Gosling's character, Myers, it seems like he's still just finding his feet. It seems like he's just learning. Well, no, he does say he's been on more campaigns than most people have by the time they're 40. He says that, but he keeps doing things that that person wouldn't do that someone with that experience wouldn't do well that's where i wonder if it's just the film doesn't get that guy it like but i agree with you because i just i don't see that particular type of politics hyper ambitious weirdo doing that move yeah it, it's it seems incredibly short-sighted is 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 my is my take on that like he wants to work in the white house and in doing so pisses off the the, the president of the united states it it, it, it seems like that's not going to end well and it is going to end quite quickly. It'd be like if we found out one of the like Pod Save America guys had done something similar to Obama. You'd be like, <laughs> really? That just doesn't seem like what they would do. But, and they yeah. wouldn't because those guys know that that's not how... A, because I don't think Obama has carried on anything like that, just to be clear. But B, because I don't think that those guys, if they had the information, would weaponize it against the guy. Like you want, If you're going to stick around and if you're going to do the best work you can, you want someone to have a really positive view of you. Like, it could just be that. You will, I mean, so it, it, sorry to interrupt, but it, it's that's the exact thing. If you, if you want to have anyone to have a positive view of you, don't blackmail them. That's, if there's one message we have for our listeners today, don't blackmail people. Yeah, we're, we're, we're... Specifically, if you want them to think well of you. This podcast is anti-blackmail. Yeah, at least as, as a friendship-building uh, tactic. As a relationship-building tactic. Yeah. Don't blackmail people. You just, it's not going to work, guys. But yeah, I, I think it it was it was very weird, and it felt it was kind of lazy. It did feel lazy. It it felt lazy, but it also it felt like this guy is so rash and impulsive. Which let's bit like he is rash and impulsive. Like how did he get so far? 
And I'm just, yeah. I'm just thinking of, again, that guy, that guy, that politics guy. I don't think he does that move. No. Um, it, it, it seems like if he was on so many campaigns and if he did have such a, such a good career up to that point, it was more based on luck than his own skill or his own agency. I mean, if he's, if his life is just one dramatic event after another, that just so happened to be going his way, leading him onto a, a successful enough presidential campaign. It just seems like he was lucky in the events that he was a part of. And no, those guys exist as well. Like they do. Like a lot but, of people who you see as these like political geniuses have been on like one or two campaigns where they got lucky, the wind was at their sails, and they happened to be in the right place at the right time. But I don't think the film saw him as that person. No. No, and the people who you know, they're the wind is at their back, and they 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 find themselves in 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 good situations. Generally, you know, they help themselves along. They don't actively work against the forces that are pushing them along. This guy seems to do that. But yeah, he uh, he when he confronts uh, Morris in the in the kitchen, he is uh, a toward the end of the movie. He 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 has a great line where uh, he talks about how you know in, in in politics you can start wars, you can do all these horrible things, lie, cheat, steal, whatever, but you can't you can't have sex with the intern. It's the it's the one thing you can't do. Yeah, they'll get you for that. They'll get you for that, yeah. So it, it kind of shows the the age of the the movie and that it is really clearly focused on American politics from the nineties. But uh what what did you think about that? Can can you lie, can you cheat, can you steal, can you start wars and all that sort of stuff? I I mean I think that with anything there are no hard and fast rules in politics. We have seen in campaigns across the board where people have been done for lying, they've been done for cheating, or they've been led away with cheating. They've been led away with lying. Yeah, that happens all the time. I think but... often it's it's not the act necessarily the act itself. It's the reaction to the act, both your reaction and the reaction of others and reaction to of media. So I think that for a guy like him who builds his whole image around being honorable and definitely he thinks himself is very honorable it would probably really really hurt him totally i mean you'd hope so kind of but i think um i just, I just think it's good to compare and contrast uh myers to paul giamatti's character who is quite i think he, he kind of plays on what you mentioned there but the, there are no hard and fast rules in politics so when he invited when he invited myers to that uh to that meeting for to to, to have a drink he knew it was going to go one of two ways. So he, he says this toward the end of the movie, you know, he, he doesn't have any ill will or ill intentions towards Myers' character, to, towards uh, Ryan's character, towards um, towards Myers. He knew that it would have gone either one of two ways. Either one, he would have stolen him onto the other campaign. So he wins. He gets, as he says, the best media mind in the country working for him and not the other guy. Uh, or two, he gets him kicked off the campaign, which is what winds up happening. He removes that piece from his opponent's board. He, he he gets Myers off the off the campaign trail, which benefits him ultimately as well. He's playing the game a bit more, I guess. It's it's a very clever kind of thing to do. But at the same time as he, he's doing this, he's not burning bridges. He's not actively trying to screw Myers' character over. He doesn't do this seemingly anyway with any maliciousness or any anything that's genuinely kind of ill-intentioned he's doing what he's doing doing it well maybe being very cynical about it but he is actually trying to build up a relationship with someone which seems to be almost actively what myers is avoiding he says himself he's just sick of democrats losing to people because they're not willing to fight dirty and so he wants to fight dirty and i think the way he sees it is he ha he thinks he has a 
genuine chance to lead a campaign into into the presidency if he doesn't play by the traditional rules and he you know he wants to, to use that awful dis- silicon valley term he wants to disrupt things and he wants to he wants to change the way th- they do things i do wonder if myers takes that meeting with paul giamatti and afterwards he rings up his boss and just says yeah he asked for a meeting i thought like it might be important um kind of he gives the same excuses that he did later to him but instead he he give like on the media on the phone says, and he asked me to join his campaign. Here's what I got out of them: the information about more Republicans are going to vote for them, the fact that they think they that, that they have this guy sewn up, the um the, that they have this North Carolina senator sewn up because they've offered him Secretary of State. I've just gotten that information. I wonder if that has the same. I wonder if he gets fired. I don't think he does. If he's as smooth and as smart as you think he is, and again, it feels contrived. I wasn't totally clear on on it in the moment why he wouldn't just say it to his boss that hey they've tried to you know he met i thought it might be something to do with the republicans some of that or or just some issue they want to discuss but yeah it's a kind of stupid mistake like it's a really amateurish mistake yeah really 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 amateurish really stupid mistake um you know you leave a voicemail you 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 just a voicemail would would have solved that a text would have solved that you know it's absolutely fine you know i'm you text Philip Seymour Hoffman. You tell him, "Yeah, I met with Paul G. Maddy earlier on. We had a drink. He wanted me over to his campaign. I said no, but I'll chat to you about how the meeting went as soon as we can." And you have that conversation an hour later or whatever. Yeah, it's like you said there. It was really contrived. It seemed like just a way of creating conflict between the characters. And to be honest, it could have been done much better with actual conflict between Myers and Morris over the relationship that they were having with the same woman. You know, they were both kind of flirting with, or they 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 both had romantic relationships with the with the intern Molly. That could have genuinely lent itself well to a to much better conflict, much more kind of realistic conflict. Because Molly herself seemed to be, anyway, she she was more than consenting in those relationships by the by the looks of things. Anyway, it seemed like it was all above board in regards to that. But having the man who will be president feeling jealous about the the woman he's having an affair with, while she's having a, a separate relationship with someone on his campaign staff, that has the potential for a much more personal and dramatic conflict. The uh, the stuff about the meeting is 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 really pointless. It's really contrived. I had a good time with this film. I just, I had so many moments where I went, hmm, especially afterwards where I started thinking about the film it could have been. Yeah. Yeah, it's got a lot of potential. But again, it, it's it's just, it's missing an awful lot. Um, yeah, like the, the, the characters do weird kind of stupid things that they wouldn't do in real life. Like just not leaving a voicemail it just seems really unprofessional it just seems really really amateurish but yeah would you would you recommend this movie to to someone else someone who, who who's never seen it i watched the film when it came out got it on dvd from extravision sort of the irish equivalent of blockbuster or was and remembered very little of it other than the plot point about molly the intern and feeling like it was a bit of a letdown in that it didn't it didn't go where i kind of hoped it had gone and it's funny to think like nearly 10 years later, watching it again, having now worked in politics and, you know, kind of maybe thought a lot more about the nature of politics than I would have, you know, when I was in college. I have basically the exact same views about it where I'm like, ah, oh, it could have been better. But yeah, I'd recommend it. I think that if you're looking for a political film, this goes places that I wish more films would go. It just didn't go nearly as far as I wanted it to go. There is some fun political maneuvering. But I remember I messaged you about this earlier in the week and I went, oh, this fun 
political maneuvering, you were like, yeah, that's political maneuvering for maneuvering sake, though. And it's like, yeah, what I mean by that is that there's the seeds of like some fun political maneuvering, but maybe it doesn't go where I wish it would. And that's kind of how I feel. Like, if you want a film that like kind of gets politics, then this is a pretty good film. And I'm also thinking that maybe the, the things that make it less fun for political nerds probably makes it more accessible to normal people who don't spend like who don't spend their weekends like looking up the polling for the next Austrian presidential election and that kind of thing. Just 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 normal people, really. Uh, yeah, I mean, it's what you mean. People who don't who aren't like who aren't like watching the German polls every week to be like you do that. When are the CDU going to start falling? Come on, we need a contest here, guys. Um, yeah, fair enough. No, no, the movie's good. It's it's a well-made movie, well-acted, well-written. I think, though, it, like it, it does show kind of what goes on behind the scenes or how people interact behind the scenes while all these big historical campaign-y things go on. I think that's more or less realistic. You know, how they, how they interact with one another is kind of how it goes on. You know, they're dealing with stuff that's quite stressful. It's quite uh, quite dramatic, quite quite important. And so behind the scenes, they will they will do stupid things. They will the, the pressure will get to them in one way or another. They'll go on weird long monologues and rants, and they do have uh, long conversations with one another about things that they think are important. But really, it's just you know a lot of the time they just like the sound of their own voices. So they accuse their um, opponent of having a Liberian diamond mine. What? Yeah, do you remember this bit where he's like, "Oh, I've got this bit of this Liberian diamond mine story," and he's like, "Okay, well." We don't know if it's true, but just put it out into the press because I just want to hear him deny it. Oh, right. Yeah. Stuff like that. People people do say things like that sometimes, which they really shouldn't. But um, I think also if you want to see ha- what half the cast of the TV show Westworld were doing before that show started, this is a good place to watch a surprising number of that cast. Yeah, it's, it's a good movie. It's fine. It's a good intro into kind of the office politics of politics, I guess. Uh, but it has been done better. I think this movie is is good, but this same type of thing has been done better. In other places. Okay, I think this is the end of the podcast, Jack. Do you want yeah. to reveal to our listeners why we're listening to Police Academy Four? <laughs> Not watching, listening. Listening to Police Academy Four. Yeah, we're listening to it. No, next week we are going to watch Network from 1976. Woo! Yeah, I'm looking forward to it. Uh, have you seen that movie before? I have not seen this movie before, so I'm very excited. Can you can you kind of give me a little hint about what it's about? It is not necessarily about politicians, which is great. Uh, it is about uh, a journalist in a big American broadcast TV show, uh, kind of a yeah, a news anchor in America in the mid seventies. He has a, an emotional breakdown on screen, and yeah, that's how the movie starts. It's uh, it's pretty good. It goes all over the place. We join some terrorists at one point. There's some scenes in like back rooms somewhere with uh, you know the the heads of different networks and some business leaders and stuff. It it, it goes all over the place. It's a good movie. It's got some great scenes, great cast. Uh, I'm looking forward to it. Cool. Well, thank you very much for listening, everybody. We will be back next week with our review, our chat, I suppose, about network. Um, thank you for listening, and stay. Political. I don't know how to end these things. Jack, do you have anything you want to say to listeners? You don't have to stay political, guys. You, you, you don't you have stop. to do that. Don't do it. Don't, for the love of God, just just relax. Try to stay safe during COVID. Stay sane. Um, yeah, and watch Network. And let us know what you think about 
uh, the Ides of March. Do you disagree with any of the things we've said? Do you agree with any of the things we've said? Do we miss anything? I'm sure we did. Yeah. And what's the best way to let us know, Dermot? What? What's the best way to let people know? What's your... Just annoy Dermot on Twitter about the movie. Yeah, just annoy me on Twitter at Dermot G. Burke. D-I-A-R-M-U-I-D-G-B-U-R-G-E. I'll include it in the show notes, my, my handle. See you next week.